I'm going to read from God's Word selected verses this morning from the book of Genesis, specifically from chapters 39 and 40. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Amen. Please be seated. It was about uh, three years ago, we had a snowstorm, and then um, I was shoveling snow in my driveway, um, and the snow kept coming. So I decided to maybe I should do it a little later. So I went into the house, 
But then in about, it was less than a minute, I heard this boom. And I saw outside, we have these two huge trees in our backyard. And one of the branches, huge branch, fell down where I was shoveling snow less than a minute. Oh my gosh. I mean, that was really close call. And I thought, I'm very lucky. <laughs> I'm very lucky. <laughs> and, um, but let me ask you, was this providence of God or just luck? You know, oftentimes, Christians use the word providence as a substitute for luck. Vodi Valkum, I don't know, I didn't know how to pronounce it, Valkum. Anyway, Vodi Valkum said, the providence of God doesn't just cover the near miss, it also covers the fatal crash and the terminal diagnosis. He is the author of the book called Joseph, the Gospel of Many Colors. I'm working on my sermon, this sermon series on based on his book. And he said in chapter 39 of Genesis, many people are trying to find a lesson about fleeing from the sexual temptations. But we know we cannot escape from all the temptations and misfortunes in our lives. Right? But our faith, faith journey is more of a taking inevitable challenges with God. In His sovereignty, in His providence. The Lord was with Joseph is the theme of chapter 39. Moses was the author of the Genesis. And he addressed four times the Lord was with Joseph in this chapter. So Moses trying to tell us this is the evidence of the providence of God in Joseph's life. The Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord, the Hebrew people has a many words, different words for Lord, and we just English uh, translation just uh, just translate as uh, the Lord, but this one is Yahweh. Um, many people know as Jehovah, but it, it is Yahweh. And Yah, when they use Yahweh as the Lord God, they it means the God of covenant, the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That co- covenant. And Joseph, so the covenant made with Abraham, which is great-grandfather of Joseph, long, long time ago. And now, you know, God promised Abraham, I will make your family into a nation, right? Then he's been just, didn't do much, right? Isaac time, Jacob time, well, no, no. And then all of a sudden, 
when great great son Joseph became a slave in prison in foreign country and by falsely accused, and the covenant goes into effect. How iron is that, right? So they call the hesed love, steadfast love. But let me ask you: Have you have has God ever remembered you and answered your prayer after a long time? Right? Or He never answered you as you prayed, right? Maybe you wish, you know, become someone. You wish marry someone, or you wish you got this job, this career, right? But not every time we make it. A lot of time we fail. But we've been crying out to God, asking God help us. And those times when you're in trouble, your darkest hour was God with you. Was God with you? It is so hard for me that um, as a preacher, I I I have to f- I have to feel the I have to have a compassion, feel the pain of other people, especially my church members. But I'm not bragging about it. But in my life, I I haven't had any big trouble, big big trouble. You know, or my loved, my parents, they're relatively healthy. So sometimes it's hard for me to relate myself or, you know, feel the, how much it would be painful when my church member going through loss of his own daughter. Passing of their parents. Or spouse. As it become my years of ministry longer and longer, I feel more and more I'm I'm not I'm not ready. I'm not I'm not equipped. I'm not I'm not eligible being a pastor. How iron is that? Right? When I was first church I appointed, I was so confident. I was so I can do it. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this this church into really revival. You know, bring all the people to church. But time goes by, you know, I realize, you know, because, right. But you must have those times. And where was God? I'm sure you found God in your troubled time, your calamities. So you are still here. But these dark times are difficult times ongoing. Right? Something pops up every day. You remember, before Jesus got into ministry, Jesus did two things. He was baptized. 
So when he was baptized and he came out of the water, the Bible said the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down rest on him. The word uh, opened up, it is like what I learned is that the Greek word is um, torn. The heavens were torn. But you cannot saw, like, mend it to get, put it together. It's torn permanently. You can put it together. What that means is just their expression of uh, overwhelming the spirit of the God, the pour upon to us. That's what it is when Jesus baptized. And Jesus doesn't need to baptize. We need a baptism. That's what happens when you baptize, when you profess your faith, when you accepted Christ. That is what happened. So just, just never stop. This pour down of a spirit always upon, upon us, upon you. You know, the baptism is not just a cleansing our sin, but it is also a pouring down of the Spirit. So we are soaked, we are flooded, we are living in this flooded Holy Spirit time. It was not, before Jesus it was not. Only particular people would receive the Holy Spirit. But now we are, we are flooded, we are underwater actually. But a lot of times we don't feel that. Maybe you just got your own boat or, you know, canoe and just, you know, (laughs) out of the water somehow. So God is with us. We're flooded with God's Spirit. And then he didn't stop there. He showed our next level, which is the tested temptation in the 40 days in the desert. Again, Jesus doesn't need that test, his faith being tested. But we need, that's why Jesus showed us, test your faith. How much God loves you, but yes, even we are, we are in God's spirit and then, you know, with God. But you have to test that. Peter said, He talked about the salvation of the people and he praised God and he said this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the Jewish people's mind that, you know, our, 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 our faith has to be like pure gold. You see that in a lot of uh, this image in the Old Testament. Right? Oh, well, you know, you know like a 14K or, you know, uh, 18K, it's enough, you know, for, if you want to go. No, you want 24K, right? <laughs> right? It's much, much more expensive because it's pure gold. And God wants that too, pure gold. And God, Jesus made us to be pure gold without keeping the law, without, you know, all that, rituals. But we have to 
submerged in this you know, flooded you know, grace, you know, Holy Spirit living in there. Then Jesus will claim that you are pure. You are worthy. It's just so easy, easy ride, right? Access to the you know, presence of God. But many Christians, we don't want trouble. Even though we claim we, we are carrying our own cross and following Jesus, Jesus' way. Jesus doesn't have a 401k. Jesus doesn't have any insurance. Jesus doesn't have any like electric car. Jesus has nothing. And then we try to follow Jesus and we all worry about, you know, good health, you know, 401k, you know, but like retirement plan, whatever. Right? Even we living in this country. We're living in this richest country. And so many Christians just looking for just Christian luck. That's what they want. It's not providence. Providence doesn't guarantee happy ending and, you know, success all the time. Next slide, please. Like the reward of obedience last week, you know, being with the Lord and living in the providence of purity does not reward us a success and happy ending. When Joseph tried to be faithful and pure, but God rewarded him with being accused falsely and being in prison. I mean, he was most trusted servant by the master for many days and then all of a sudden, because this lie of this master's wife, he was just all of a sudden became criminal and being in prison. You know, the wife of master said, you know, the Hebrew servant, the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. It's very similar, right? Like when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and the man you gave it to me, the woman you gave it to me, the serpent you created, God, you gave that, brought this trouble. Right? Same thing. The sinful world always tried to divide us and them. Like a war happening now in Ukraine, too. Somehow, Ukrainians okay to be killed like that? Somehow, it's absurd cause, by this absurd cause, they invade this country and killing people, us and them. Because we try to always try to designate somebody to be sacrificed, scapegoat. It's interesting though, when Master's wife accused Joseph, Joseph doesn't say anything about it. Right? If he had that very strong trust relationship with his master, he could say something. He could appeal his innocence. But Joseph doesn't. Maybe because Joseph took this as the whole situation, as the part of providence of God. I mean, can you do that? 
And when someone, you know, misunderstood you, someone just always criticizing about you, always somebody, you know, making fun of you, or somebody like a, you know, uh, 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 like a bad talking, you know, behind you. How can hold, I mean, how can, you know, overcome? Right? When that person, this is lie. What should we do? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, today's world. They don't listen to us. They don't listen to you, right? Even when we're talking about truth, but the world doesn't listen to church. The world doesn't, even church, some church doesn't listen to the Bible. How upsetting, you know, you know the reality of today. Splitting churches and damaging churches. But what should we do then? Look at Jesus. Jesus has been criticized many times. Falsely accused many, many times. And always they tried to kill him. But what Jesus did? He withdrew himself to the remote place all by himself. The Bible said, desolate place. Retreat. We need to retreat from our daily routine. Whatever those crowd, whatever the world, you know, talking, lying, accusing. And then we be with our God. Encounter God. We try to encounter God. And we are right there. Like the song we just sang. We just fight this battle as kneeling and pray. We cry to God. Cry to God. God listens. The world, the people does not listen. Even your loved ones sometimes do not listen to you. But God listens. We have to go to God. So where is your desolate place? And no one seems to listen to you. Where is your place? Where is the time? Next slide, please. So God's providence has no exception. You know, God is everywhere. You know, oftentimes we are just, you know, we can't go to the, this desolate place and encounter God because we made a mistake. We did something wrong. Yeah, they're right. I didn't mis- make a mistake. Then what? And a lot of Christians, well, we're really good at that. Condemning ourselves. Judging ourselves. That's the same way, like denial too. We don't want to take the pain of what we did wrong. And sometimes we just find ourselves as a scapegoat. We're judging ourselves. Yeah, I'm just terrible. I'm hopeless. I don't deserve. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve second chance. That is a power. That's the gravity of a sin. We always pull us down. Even Jesus died for our sin. But we still somehow carry this heavy burden on us. 
It's, it's fake. It's not there. It's illusion. The weight of sin is illusion, not there. Because Jesus paid for the price. There's no sin to claim. Because Jesus died. But we just continue to claim our sin, our mistake. And we just hard on ourselves. Verse 21 says, The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You know, I used to go to, you know, Berks County Prison every week and I give, you know, worship there. And you know, hundreds of people, inmates, you know, worship. 200 people and then another 200 people came worship. I just amazed, you know, I was the only one who played guitar. I'm not so good at guitar, but that's the only we can bring. So just guitar... And then some of our church members, we came and then we worshiped. Just amazing worship. Just like here. Can you imagine? 200 people, inmates. Yeah, they look like inmates. Yeah. Sometimes I kind of, as they come in, I just, you know, shake hands, you know, and, and greet them. Oh, yeah, sometimes it's really, uh, sometimes they, they look at me, you know, in a certain way, you know. But you know what? You know, minute later, they cry like a baby. God, and you know, they just worship like that. I mean, I really enjoyed the time there. And they said, DJ, Pastor, they always call me Sir. DJ, I want to stay here because I find the peace here. It's my first time I came back to prison. I'd rather stay here because, you know, I'm away from all the temptation, all the problem of my family and all that. So I'd rather stay here because I, as, as I'm rele- released, I just go back to my sinful way, evil way. But we know the prison is not the answer. Yes, it's irony that. I mean, in prison, it's like a monastery. All you can do is reading Bible or some other good books, like classic books in the library of a prison. Yeah. No internet, no TV, not, not really a lot of food. Really bad. The food is really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, you are kind of separate, isolate people from all kind of, uh, you know, temptation. So only you can do is reading Bible all day long. You pray all day long. So some of the images are very spiritual, very powerful. I'm talking to like a Billy Graham or something like that. Oh, and Pastor, have you read that book? No. Have you read that book? No. <laughs> do you know this guy? And he's just talking all like that. Yeah. But as soon as they got into freedom, they got received their freedom, they got into this old life of sinful and evil. That's irony. Yes, you are having that. You have a freedom. Every day you are exposed and vulnerable to all these temptations and, you know, the problem. How irony is that? But that's what our call. God does not call us into prison for finding peace. But God called us into the midst of the wolves. God sent us into the, this, this mess. 
Because God trusts us. God, somehow God entrusts these all the people to you and me. Right? Somehow. Yes, it is far more difficult. But God wants us to be in the midst of wolves because God is a shepherd and God will protect us. That's why we have to be with Christ, our shepherd. How? We have to live in the providence, the life of providence, which means we take these inevitable challenges by translating my faith into life and realizing the word of God into my life. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. Right? If you don't walk the way, then the way means nothing. If you don't live out the truth, then the truth doesn't mean nothing. If we don't receive the life, that the life that Jesus has given to us means nothing, right? But many Christians, we don't live, we don't, you know, walk, or we don't receive the life. Next slide, please. In the chapter 40, God finally intervened Joseph's life by the dreams of these, you know, cupbearers and chief bakers. Again, even in the pre- prison, this is not luck. It's his, Joseph's providence. He's been faithful. He's been always saying, that's how hard it is that wherever you are, you have to be, we have to be the same person. That's hard, but Joseph did. So divine providence is not a luck. It's based on the faithfulness and our integrity and purity. It's hard. So they, even in the prison guard, they trusted Joseph and, and he cared for them. Right? And Joseph said, he looked the prisoner closely. I'm your prisoner too. And then he sensed their face, you know, down. So he asked, why are your face downcast today? And the answer, we have had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, do not interpret it belong to God. You know what? The world, the people around you, who, doesn't, who, are, who are not with the Lord, and they say always to you, I don't understand why this thing happened to my life. And then we are the ones supposed to interpret their you know, question. We're supposed to give them the answer. This is evangelism. Watch closely, carefully, other people, their life. That's empathy. In other people, we feel empathy. In them, in other people, we feel them. It's not like a, you know, I see them, oh, well, that's pity. Uh, empathy, empathy is the inside of the person and then feel the, their pain. It's hard. Maybe you, you, you know how to feel in them, your children, right? Mothers, right? You can feel the 
pain and every, every emotion, what's going on in your children. But we have to expand. The Christianity is expanding our family, you know, not my children, but other people. Then you can encourage them to tell you. And then we try to interpret them. That's how evangelism starts. And after interpreting, you know, the, their dreams and all good, it was right. But Joseph asked, even Joseph asked, please remember me. Please remember me. I mean, to me, and he said, remember me and then talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> I mean, he's a Hebrew, you know, and then he's a slave. He was accused of raping his, uh, uh, his uh, master's wife. I mean, I mean, is it really matter that like a king of the empire would just care for something like that? How ambitious, you know, dream for like that? I don't think so. But Joseph had this desire. He treasure whatever the dream he has. He has this, you know, dream. He has this calling, something special. He doesn't even know what it is, but he, he really cares for it. That's why he asked, you know, cupbearer, please remember me. But he forgot about him for two years, right? Two years. Everybody has a two years. Maybe it's been 12 years. Maybe it's been five years, six years, right? We have that two years, right? When God being muted, when nobody really there for you, when you go to cancer, when you go through divorce, when you're going through foreclosure, when you're going through unemployment, when you're going through your child in trouble, addiction, even in jail. We have these two years, right? What do we do with this, these two years? So people say, why me? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Welcome to the club. This is what Psalm says. Over and over in Psalm says this. Everybody has this problem that everybody has two years. That two years we have to come back to the Lord and living in the presence of God. Sisters and brothers in Christ. Next slide, please. Yeah, you got it. So I saw this sign somewhere. And, you know, I think it's the same for God. No job too big or no small for God. You know, a lot of times, oh, well, God, God is so great, so he has, he's busy, so he doesn't really, you know, um, uh, time for me. Somehow we, we, we just treat ourselves like that. I mean, what kind of parents just, you know, I'm so busy, so, I mean, I have a five children or, you know, nine children, so, you know, I'm so busy, you know, and he doesn't take care about yourself, right? You are everything to God. We are everything to God. Like God is everything to us, and you are everything to God. God may be agonized. God must be so grieving when you are sinful, when you turn away, when you, when you, when you just you know, condemn yourself. God is probably so agonized. So just 
live in the providence of God because we know we won the victory and there's no more battle. There's no more agonizing or struggling for it's not faith. But we just simply take the inevitable challenges and hardship, but we know our end. Like I said all over and over, you, we are watching the Phillies game rerun. We know this game we won yesterday, and we're watching again. We're losing, you're losing, we're losing nine for top of nine. But we are not weary, we are not worried, we are not fearful because the bottom of nine did just die on the cross. Amen. Next slide, please. You know, the praise will lead us in this, you know, praise. One of my favorite songs, The Waymaker. You know, this song just touches me. You know, this is who, who God is. Yes, even we open our eyes and you try to feel that God is doing something for us. It's very hard because we are in this confinement of this sinful nature. Yes. That's why we just continue to trust and obey to God. Amen.
friends, I send you with these words. This is the covenant. God made a covenant with us too. Not only Abraham, Isaac, but Jesus made a covenant with us. This is what Peter praised, praised the Lord. This is the covenant we God Jesus made with us. Listen, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for the salvation, ready. To be revealed in the last time, Amen.